developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. Ooh, a spicy question. I <laughs> love it. Because the writing is sort of everything, right? Like you kind of can fix plot holes, but if the yeah. writing is So some bad. readers love that and some readers are like, but I wanted more of this. So it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of a gamble. Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. On today's episode, I am joined by a young adult fiction writer who has had over 50 short stories published across multiple countries and now also a novel. It's Sue H. Cunningham. Hi, welcome. Hi, thank you very much for inviting me. Thanks for coming on. Um, so as of recording this now, your debut novel, Totally Deceased, has been out for um, almost a week Yes. How does it feel having it out there in the world, knowing that all these people are reading it? It's really weird. Um, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, it's been a bit of a mad weekend, so I've not had a great deal of time to process, but it's it's just starting to calm down a little bit now. So um, it is, it's, it's sort of a bit scary, but a bit lovely as well to think that people are reading it who don't actually know me mm-hmm. um, and starting to get early reviews back, which is, again, very odd people that... Um, <laughs> writing reviews that don't actually know me um and haven't seen the book from early days so yeah you've had a number of uh, like over 50 short stories published does that sort of does that make it a bit easier do you think because you've had that experience of people other people reading yourself I don't know it's quite anonymous really um I used to write um short fiction for um what they call women's magazines or WOMAGs mm-hmm. um and that's quite a while ago um since I was doing that and you, you, you know, there are lots of different markets for short story fiction or, or the, there used to be there. It's, it's become really reduced now. Um, the market for short stories, a lot of magazines just carry celebrity, um, storylines yeah. instead. You don't have as much short fiction. Um, but for a little while it was, it was a really sort of cute thing to do. And I used to do it when my, my kids were little and it was, uh, probably not as time consuming as trying to write a whole novel when you've not got very much time um but yeah I really enjoyed it um and yes we you know I used to sell to the UK and and to magazines in Australia and um very weirdly um there's a magazine in um Sweden called Alas which uh buys um a lot of English fiction and translates it which is you know you think they have a, a lot of great writers in you know, Scandinavian countries, but they, yeah. they do they do translate a lot of uh, English fiction. So that's, oh, that's cool. quite interesting. Yeah. So you could sell it to one country and then sell it again somewhere else. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. I didn't know that. So getting back to the, the novel itself, Totally Deceased, um, murder, mystery, comedy. T- tell us a little bit about it. So it is, um, it's, a, it's a funny sort of supernatural YA murder mystery 17 year old jess wakes from an emergency heart transplant to find that she's being haunted by the ghost of her donor who is a sort of high maintenance trust fund socialite who's convinced that she was murdered and she refuses to rest in peace until jess agrees to help solve the mystery behind her untimely death it sounds great i i was thinking we you know we just mentioned the the short stories was this your first run at doing a novel doing a long-form narrative no 
um, I wrote um, a, quite a bad triplet <laughs> rom-com, which was a bit cathartic, um, uh, which, you know, um, I really enjoyed writing and I I got some feedback on that. And he said, it's really lovely, but, uh, you know, this character has not, no character arc whatsoever. <laughs> And uh, it was it was it was it was sort of a, a series of funny anecdotes I think that I just sort of strung together for my own life, um, but you know no sort of really overarching sort of plot or character arc. So it was fun to write, but it wasn't ever going to go anywhere. Uh, and then I I've written a couple of young adult books um, before this one. So yeah, this is the third uh, young adult book that I've written, but the first to be published. Oh okay. When you talk about, and I, I, this is a common mistake that a lot of people, I think the first the first novel that I ever wrote like had insane like character um, development and things like that, where it was like non-existent or like too much and it just didn't make any sense. Mm. But I wonder if, as someone who had a lot of experience writing short stories, where you don't necessarily need to go through a whole arc, there's a lot more freedom to sort of leave things open-ended. Was that something that you kind of learned moving from short form into long form? Um, I don't know, actually, because I think uh, in a short story, you still have to have a, a beginning and a middle and an end. Um, and I think the thing about short stories is uh, the magazines um, make you write to a very strict word count. So it's really good practice, I think, um, for writing concisely. Some of the magazines just have a, a one page fiction. So it would be like 600, 650 words. Uh, some of them, it might be like 2,000 words. But because of the way the magazines are formatted, you couldn't send in a story that was, say, 1,600 words. Yeah. You know, you'd have to send in. It would either have to be a a, a 650 one-pager or a 2,000 words or a, you know, that all the magazines have got their own house style and their own. Um, so it's it's quite good practice, really, at sort of getting you to almost write to a, um, to a remit and to be concise because you've got to get it all in there so I think when I started yeah. writing longer fiction I probably learned to cut a lot of the padding so I tend to write and then rather than cutting when I'm editing I tend to add and embellish so ah. I have a, quite a tight um first draft um yeah. with that with not as much detail in it and then you can you know sort of have a bit of room to play around and add so when I first submitted this story I think it was about um, totally deceased. I think it was about fifty-five, fifty-six k, and we, uh, you know, over the editing period, I did uh, like another ten thousand words. So it's nice to have the freedom to do that. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for um, what do people call additive editing. Mm. I think because there's there's almost like a positive connotation with it, as opposed to oh, I have to choose the thing that I have that I have to cook. trim yeah. yeah exactly that's really interesting and was this totally deceased because you won Right Mentors 2020 novel award and you were long listed for Baths in the same year was that with yes. totally deceased no that was another book oh. um called um 49 Sisters which was a kind of uh, again it was a sort of magical realism um supernatural but it was about kind of modern witches Okay. It was really nice because I had quite a lot of interest with that, but we were just going into the pandemic. So it was, uh, and YA wasn't doing very well at the time. And it was, I think it was just not, not the right time really. And it sort of did the rounds a little bit. And I, I've got quite a few full requests for that manuscript, but it, it just wasn't going to go anywhere. And in the end, I just had to put it on one side and say, right, I'm going to have to write something new. 
And that's when I started writing Totally Deceased, which I wrote over the next year. And it was from an idea that I'd had for a previous novel, um, but I completely kind of rehashed it and edited it. And then that went out, oh gosh, trying to think when it was, it must have been 2021. And, Sounds uh, about right for the yeah. timeline. And I, I had uh, I was shortlisted for Northern Writers with this book, and then mm-hmm. um, I was very lucky to be chosen for the uh, the Scooby Undiscovered Voices anthology. Ah, oh, okay. So, Totally Deceased went into the anthology, uh, the twenty twenty two anthology. And is that how you got in contact with um, Rachel Petty, who who is now your literary agent? Um, it, it isn't, but it's how um, my eventual editor, Yasmin Morrissey, saw the book um, because she was um, one of the judges on the Undiscovered Voices um, oh. anthology. So the, there were 12 writers chosen for the anthology and they're mm-hmm. all really lovely, talented people. So it's really, really uh, lovely to be chosen for that. And because there is normally an agent party um, in February and because of covid it was cancelled although the uk was pretty much open up by that time i think because scooby is um ultimately the us, US based, and yeah. they they were you know really taking the pandemic very very ser- seriously still understandably and they just didn't want the agent party to go ahead so that was all done virtually and it get quite a bit of interest when the anthology went out from agents and publishers but it was one of those things that was sort of like it was really lovely to have a a lot of interest in it but I still had a kind of wish list of agents that I Mm -hmm. wanted to send it to um, that perhaps hadn't seen the anthology so I did some um, some cold submissions as well uh, so slush pile and that's how I got my agent Rachel Petty who is absolutely wonderful and um, she'd only just started agenting so I was really lucky with the timing because um, you might know she used to be editorial director at um, Macmillan Children's. Yeah. And then she mm-hmm. sort of swapped sides and started, I think it was only March last year. Um, so I was probably one of her earliest submissions. Oh. I'm very lucky because she didn't have a huge backlog. Yeah. So um, she got back to me really, really quickly. And yeah, I was, it was, it was a really lovely time because I had quite a bit of interest and it was lovely after all these years to be in a position of being able to have a choice and be able to talk to different agents. And Rachel was definitely the, the right choice for me. She's brilliant. Yeah. Cause it's a huge decision because it's in many ways, it's such a, it's such a close relationship that it, it sort of goes beyond the, the sort of mechanics and the, the business aspect of it. I think it's very important that authors and agents do have like a, a friendly relationship. Yeah, absolutely. Cause and- you've got to see eye to eye, right? Yeah, absolutely. And Rachel's really uh, down to earth, really professional, really laid back. And she's just, you know, I just had a chat to her and I felt really at home with her. And then we did a little bit of work on the manuscript together. And she had a, a great idea for an edit, um, which we implemented. And then because Yasmin Morrissey from Scholastic had already seen the manuscript, um, she'd seen the opening, the opening chapters. And she actually got in touch and said, you know, when it's ready, uh, you know, I'd love to have it on submission. Oh, wow. But Scholastic only take uh, agented submissions. At the time, ah. I wasn't, I didn't have an agent. So I said, well, I've not got an agent yet. And, you know, she said, well, let me know when, when you know, when you have. So, of course, I spoke with Rachel and said, you know, Yas- Yasmin is already interested. And it did go out widely. But we had a, an, an early offer from Scholastic within the week. So it was just like so lucky. 
really amazingly lucky because I'm not very good at waiting. I'm <laughs> very instant gratification girl. Yeah. So it was really good to, to um to have that, you know, that early offer. It was brilliant. Yeah, that's amazing because I I know that a lot of authors can really um and you can really start affecting your kind of mental health when you're in that because obviously you've you know you, once you you've spent lots of time submitting to agents you have an agent and then there's this sort of part of it where now the agent is going to take your work and they're going to go to the publishers and the editors mm. but you don't as the author don't really have any interaction you don't have any kind of like no. other than asking your agent you don't really have any idea how that's going and half the time the agent doesn't know how that's going because the editors mm. are so busy and it's it can it can be a long time so it's amazing that it was really quick for you mm, it really was yeah it was uh yeah I was very very lucky so uh, as we mentioned the, the kind of way these things work you sign with the agent then the agent takes your book out and submission. Um, it was very quick for you, which is amazing. Then once once you've agreed to sign, you're you're now with an editor. I mean, you were in a wonderful position where you'd sort of already had an interaction with Yasmin, and 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 so that was kind. Of, that must have been a pretty smooth transition, um, sort of meeting her and then immediately getting on with the work. How did you find the editorial stuff? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Steps. Yeah, really good. Um... It was it was lovely actually because I felt like we were on the same page, um, and because I've always had sort of critique partners and I've always kind of you know sent my work out to people and you kind of get used to getting you yeah. know, feedback and there was there was nothing sort of deal breakery about it at all um, that you know I, I'm sort of in a debut group at the moment so I hear a lot of people talking about how you know they're asked to make quite big changes or you know lose a character or add a character or um you know change the ending um or you know take a huge chunk out add a big chunk in there was it was very the editing was all very kind of mutual and very quite if i say an easy process it it was (laughs) you know it was it wasn't it wasn't sort of as scary as i thought it was going to be the hardest part really was that um was that when the book was just sort of at the final editing stage is that um Yasmin actually sort of left Scholastic to work with Simon and Schuster because she was promoted and so she she's moved on and I know oh. this this happens it was it was that was like oh my gosh you know she's she's gone she's gone somewhere else and I have a a, a new editor Julia Sanderson who is absolutely lovely from Scholastic all the team at Scholastic are so lovely but that was probably the the, the biggest trip really in the whole thing is that she wasn't going to be with me right until the very end until the book was published yeah but she has continued to support me she's been really lovely and stayed in touch um and the rest of the team at Scholastic have, have sort of picked me up and carried it carried on with me and it was made this the transition very very smooth um but I think this is something that you realize you have to get used to because the staff do do move around and they yeah. do you know they do get promoted and move elsewhere and you know this is part of the the, the normal process so yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Sure. so it's it's something you're perhaps not expecting and it's Rachel is a is a perfect example like it's 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 not uncommon that um a lot of people who editors uh, people that work in editorial uh do become agents that's like a pretty mm. normal path now for for literary agents yeah and she's great at it and that that was one of the things that really appealed to me 
was that she had that, you know, editorial background because I, you know, I, I love input. Um, yeah. I'm very open to input and I'm, you know, I'm not overly precious. I, I don't think about my writing. I like to get uh, ideas and uh, input from as many people as possible. I've always had lots of critique partners and I'm quite greedy. So I say as many people <laughs> as possible help, you know, um, and I like to feedback on other people's work as well. And, and mm-hmm. uh, I think that, you know, hopefully it does make you a better editor of your own writing to, to do that for other people. I think it definitely does. I think giving feedback, uh, in my experience, sort of opens up a level of self-awareness um, to your own writing. When you yes. see someone, because when you read your own writing, you don't see a lot of, if you do like a repetitive mistake, but if you see that same mistake with someone else's writing, then you go back to yours and you think, oh, wow. I've just done exactly the same thing that I've just told that person not to do. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's like writing your own synopsis, though, isn't it? It's like oh, it's so yeah. hard. And mm-hmm. if if I look at somebody else's synopsis, I'm like, yeah, I can just tweak that for you, and I can make that a bit tighter. Yeah, and we just cut this bit and this bit. And if it's your own, it's like, oh no, you can't leave that bit out, and that bit's really important. And yeah, you know, yeah, perhaps yeah. it isn't. So it, it's it's nice to have input. Yes. No, it's great. And it's also a sort of, I think it's a really important skill that you can, you almost like practice, like you practice not just giving critique and receiving critique, but also just knowing when to trust yourself versus when to trust like different things that are kind of thrown at you. Mm, Absolutely. And hopefully your editor and you are on the same page. Um, from, From what most of the time I hear, people are or if they're not at first they make the change and then reading it back they're like oh no this is this is great this is really yeah I mean yeah there were and there were sort of um things that we changed um and I think it just made things tighter really yeah um all the suggestions that they made were just tweaking things and uh, tightening things up um timelines and and just picking up things where you've been a bit been a bit lazy or you've been a bit remiss and sort of you know would that really work in that timeline my, my novel happens over quite a short period of time yeah um and it's you know I end up having to sort of write things out on a calendar of you know if they've got a week to get from this place to this place you know which train would they get and which and I don't, <laughs> probably it's overly researched but you know then you know that it, it would actually work and there was a problem at the beginning where I'd had um you know something happen and when we actually worked it out from you know, starting the week on a Tuesday and then finishing the week on a Wednesday or whatever it was. Yeah. And I'd had them doing something on a Sunday, which wouldn't have been possible, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, you know, that premises wouldn't have been open on a Sunday. So it's, it's things that really, really people another eye on it and, and, and looking out for, for, for things like that, where you've just been a bit sloppy, maybe, and not sort of tighten things up. With those sort of details that usually comes in the copy editing stage, right? So that wouldn't have been the primary editor, right? Um, I guess if they spot it, they're, they're going to flag it. Yeah. I mean, there were probably bits and bobs all the way along, I would say. Yeah. I think, I think the thing that Yasmin really helped me with was just that to make sure, because the, although it's, it's, it's the first person narrative and there, there are two main characters in the book and it's just to make them really, really distinct so that without putting a speech tag on, you knew who was speaking at any one time because the, the two characters have such distinct voices or I would hope that they have now and that was really down to Yasmin really helping me with that to making sure that we had a really clear there is it's quite a dialogue heavy book and that 
you know, that it was very clear who was speaking at any one time. Um, yeah. Because they're both teenage girls. So <laughs> it's, and I, you know, I'm not. So it was like trying to um, make sure that you, you're getting into that teen speak, but also giving them their own distinct speak, speech patterns and making sure that it's clear whose voice is. Um, and I think that was something that I really, you know, really, the editing really helped me with. Yeah. And I think it, it gives you skills, transferable skills that you think, right, next time yeah. I will do that. And you'll do it from scratch. You'll do it from the start. Yeah. And there'll be, yeah, the, yeah. the voices will be even more distinctive. I think that's an incredible skill. I read a lot of um, Joe Abercrombie, he's a fantasy author, and his the way that he, he doesn't even need to tell you which character is speaking. Yeah. You just know yeah. it like, within like three words, you're like, oh, it's this character because yeah. it's so like defined and things like that. It's amazing. Yeah. I mean, that is, that is, what you want really want to aim for yeah, yeah exactly so you've been through the process now the book's out it's all been very exciting going into this and just wondering how much did you sort of know about publishing how much did you know about all the different steps uh, before you got into it um well considering how long i'd been sort of doing the rounds of the slush pile mm-hmm. um surprisingly little really <laughs> um I really, um, you know, I knew that there were bigger edits and then sort of copy. I think that the thing that um, that surprised me was about the the final edits. I just thought that was going to be sort of commas and typos and things like that. Yeah. And it, it, it's really not. And I think one of the things with children's publishing as well is, is, is a lot of sensitivity issues. You've got to be really careful um, with the language that you use. Which is true of adult as well. Um, it's just that as you say, with, with children's and, and, and young adult is put into that children's bracket. Um, it, it's sort of under a magnifying lens. There's much more scrutiny put on it. Yeah, I think so. And that, well, that actually brings us to, 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 towards the final question of the, of the episode, which as always is Sue, if you were stranded on a desert Island with a single book, which book would you, would you want it to be? Well, it sounds very literary. Um, but it would be a Jane Austen and it would be Emma. I, it's my real comfort read book. I do love to read books again and again if it's something that makes me feel happy and makes me feel comforted. Um, I am a big rereader of books. And when my children were little um, babies, I probably didn't read a, a new book for about a year. I just used to reread stuff that I, I was familiar with because I didn't have to work too hard to read. And if I was tired or, you know, the kids were poorly, I could just read 10 minutes pick it up know where I was up to and put it back down again yeah and I have a few of these comfort books um but I love Jane Austen and Emma's probably my favorite because I just think it's it's really funny I think her writing's really visual it's just very witty uh, she makes a, a great joke about gruel um which <laughs> it still makes me laugh every time I read it I've read it so many times and uh what's really funny about this book is that um one of my favorite comfort films is clueless mm-hmm. which is a, a retelling of emma and i probably didn't even realize until about the third time that i'd watched it <laughs> I, I didn't realize <laughs> yeah it's like even one of the characters has got the same name as in the as in the jane austen book and yeah. it, it, it's obviously you know updated and modified and it was in that era in the 90s when they were doing a lot of kind of uh, shakespeare retellings and you know classic retellings but uh, i absolutely love clueless and it's i think it's really funny and uh, I didn't actually realise until I'd watched it for about the third time that it was actually Emma, <laughs> um, which is my favourite book. So um, that's the book I would take. So I'd want a comfort read. Um, I don't think I'd do very well on a on a 
Desert Island on my own. So <laughs> I found something <laughs> to comfort me and to, uh, and it's a really long book as well. I love a chunky book because yeah. I'm a fast reader. So, um, yeah. and I think she probably wouldn't get away with that these days. She would have been edited down, Unfortunately, which would have been a real yeah. shame. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's some older books where I, where I think, oh no, maybe they could use a sort of modern treatment, but then there's somewhere I'm yeah. like, no, there's there's a real beauty in the kind of taking the time to to write something out and describe something and stuff. Yeah, but Jane Austen's great. Jane Austen, it, it, very popular pick uh, on the podcast. I think is it? Uh, but that, yeah. but it's because it, the the writing is just so relatable, you know, to to so many people. It kind of transcends yes. so many barriers. Well, her dialogue is so good, and mm-hmm. I just think considering she had to write everything by hand and I will sit there with a with a you know a laptop deleting <laughs> one word and like going oh if I just put this sentence before that sentence that oh that sounds funny if I do it that way yeah and um you know I, I think my book is intended to be funny and I think the that comes out in the editing and you know, I've come back and think oh that would be funnier if I did it that way around or if I added this kind of humorous theme throughout um and I think she had to write everything by hand. And how many times did she write and rewrite, you know, before she got them right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, um, just drafting it the second time it seems yeah. like so much work. <laughs> you know, you just think, oh, I can't be, oh, oh my, my, you know, she didn't even have a fountain pen; she'd be using a feather or whatever. And just thinking, <laughs> yeah, here we go again. You know, how much paper have we got? You know, everything would have been very expensive, and you know, to uh, I, I just think it's an amazing skill. I think she must have been just very good from the off and I know she did edit and re-edit things and change the names of things and um but I think considering you know everything she had to do in her life and you know her short life you know to produce that work that body of work is amazing yeah because it's and it's all of her books are just are just brilliant as well there's it's Mm. it's all killer no filler yeah absolutely (laughs) amazing um well uh, a great choice we love we love a bit of austin here on the podcast um and thank you so much sue it's been really awesome chatting with you and hearing all about your experiences in publishing and uh, and and the new book totally deceased which is out right now thanks so much for coming on the podcast thank you very much for having me and for anyone listening if you want to make sure that you keep up with everything that sue is doing you can follow her on twitter or x at Susie writes uh, or on instagram and tiktok at sue h cunningham to make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast follow along on twitter instagram tiktok and facebook you can support the show on patreon and for more bookish chat check out my other podcast the chosen ones and other tropes thanks again to sue and thanks to everyone listening we'll catch you on the next episode Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.